welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by the Andersons. I'm Michaela Faulkner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. In today's episode of the podcast, No-Till Farmer's President, Mike Lesseter, talks with No-Till legend Ray McCormick from the hospital just a few days after a farm accident that nearly took Ray's life. Here's Mike to get us started. We learned here in, in just is today that we had a bad accident and there's people who are worried about you and, you know, mm-hmm. to tell us a little bit about in your own words about what happened and how you're doing now. I'm just the incredibly lucky to be alive and I'm happy to be alive. This may be a life change. I, if you can change your life at 69, but I'm so thrilled to be alive because I had no chance of surviving an accident where we were clearing tornado damaged so we could farm the area and a tree fell onto the controls in front of me in a track hoe and it made the track hoe take off with the log coming through the cab a, a very large log and it i thought i was never had a chance of surviving i accepted that and lo and behold it pushed me out the back and then settled on my leg and off across the field we go with the Traco driving and the log on top of me and because of some skilled uh, work with a man with a bulldozer he was able to get out in front of me and circle around and get in front of my tracks and get me stopped and and shut the machine off and uh, then he was able to get some ratchet straps he didn't have any big chains or anything and he was able to carefully get that log off the top of me and here I sit, uh, very happy to be alive. You've been in the hospital about 10 days now? I've been in the hospital 10 days, so I started from the emergency room to intensive care, and now it's all about therapy so that I can go home and I'm able to, you know, my wife's got to work, so i got to be able to go to the bathroom and feed myself and get up and down out of bed and do all those things. So here in physical therapy, not only are they helping me to be able to walk again, but be able to go home and be at my home and live with, you know, not the danger that I'm going to have something bad happen while I'm trying to take care of myself. That, that moment, moment when you were thought you were going to die, what is that actually like in that mm-hmm. situation? Like people talk about various things. Mm-hmm. What, what went through your mind in that? The track hose advancing forward with the tree coming at me. So it, you only got a second or two. But but as soon as I saw it, I went, oh, no. And then I grabbed it. So it's this close to me by that time. And I was like, no use. And then all of a sudden, everything stopped. And I was able to reflect that here I'm going to die. I'm going to die really quick. And this is the day I die. And this is how I die. And then literally the video, the movement begins again. And it comes into my chest. And I'm like, this is it. And it's crushing me. And all of a sudden, everything's breaking and busting and everything. Next thing I know, it's got me partially exited out the back of the cab and now it's on the move and uh, i guess the track hoe was ashamed what it had done so it's heading over the countryside but so that was the first part of it but that i lived through that initial push of that log into my abdomen and chest i can't understand how anyone could survive that 
more or less than a hairy hillbilly from down here in southern Indiana, but somebody was looking down on me. But you know, you hear about that, but it everything stopped and I had this, you know, I guess your mind can operate so quick. It was just this peaceful feeling that, oh, this is how it ends. Everyone's pitching in back, back mm -hmm. home at the farm. Mm -hmm. My son, Nate, who's now 43, he's, you know, he's capable of doing everything, but it takes both of us because if you're operating a sprayer or planter and a drill, all these bigger pieces of equipment that we're all using right now, because we're not done planting corn, not done with beans, and 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 uh, we're spraying, and we got a big wheat crop coming, so he's having to take all that on. We've got three good employees and so forth, but they can't drive the very expensive and skilled equipment that he and I could. So he's had a lot of pressure put on him here. I'm relaxing in the hospital, you know. I'm watching Andy Griffith on the TV, but. I'm appreciative and lucky that he's there. He's been trusted to do all these things and that a lot of neighbors have called and said, if there's anything we can do. So more than likely during wheat harvest, I'll ask them to come in and help us get all this wheat out. And it's beautiful wheat, no till and uh, get that wheat out and get our double crop beans in because in this area, it's big double crop bean country. So it's just as important as the wheat crop. So you need to harvest fast, get it dried and get the beans planted instantly. So again, we got a big load ahead of us here in a few weeks of getting that wheat crop out. We talked a little bit about Brandt, you know, our good friend Brandt, you know, Till Legend, someone you've known a long time with. Someone who, if you were gonna try to encapsulate what he meant to conservation, no-till cover crafts, what, what comes to mind? Well, I called him a leader. And the reason I said that, he's not leading a group of people, but he certainly led the movement. And he did that by this tremendous ability to communicate. So what he was doing on his land, whether it was a professor from a college or somebody at the Soil and Water Conservation District or a farmer or, you know, different groups of people, he could break through and give you that vision of why this is the way to go. He has the vision, he has the knowledge, and he has the ability in so many ways that when he communicated that, people wanted to follow him. They wanted to come to his farm. They wanted to hear him speak. They wanted to have him come speak. And part of that is, is he made the sacrifice over and over and over again to go to those places, to go to those farms, to go to those people, to go to Europe, to do as much as he could and make all those sacrifices because this is so important to the future of not only our country, but of the world. And he gets a lot of responsibility for that. I say he's still here because the impacts of all he did is his legacy. So he's everywhere around us because all of these great things he did surround us and he's still here. So good job, Dave. He invested so much in friendships and relationships that there's hundreds, if not thousands, who are carrying the torch forward now, even though he's gone. You asked me if I was a 
good friend of his, how many people would answer yes? Thousands of people that he had to smile. He took the time, took his picture with him. And, you know, everybody has imprinted in him the picture of him and his big turnip, you know. And uh, what I always liked is, and I've known other farmers that way, he could come in and a set of old bib overalls. And I don't care how intellectual or smart you were, he was the best speaker. He was the best communicator. He was making the most impact. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Andersons. A thoughtful, well-designed nutrient management program is essential to maximize crop productivity. Providing the right nutrients at the right time throughout the growing season is key to achieving high yields. The Andersons High Yield Programs make it easy to plan season-long nutrient programs for corn, soybeans, wheat, and many specialty crops. Visit andersonsplantnutrient.com slash high yield to get instant recommendations to improve your nutrient efficiency and yields. Now let's get back to the conversation. Can I ask you a couple questions about what happened in Illinois on the, mm -hmm. sure. the dust storm? Mm -hmm. with, with well, you're going to like this answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead and ask me. Well, I'm not sure what question to ask other than mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, well, the ultimate goes. The ultimate question is, do those landowners bear responsibility for the deaths of people that were on that highway? And my answer is yes, of course. This wasn't the first time that wind erosion had blown across there. Uh, you're being negligent that you don't have the soil armored, as we call it in the soil health movement. So you were letting this precious resource get away. I'm sure your dust had blown across that highway before. So, you know, they were at fault. They could have stopped this and people died because of this. So I, you know, I, like so many people, when we see a lot of erosion now is, I mean, people that don't even farm ask me how this can be that we still see blowing soils and we still, still see massive erosion and all this ground being worked. And um, I can't answer that except, you know, change is difficult. But in this case, you know, it costs people their lives. But ultimately, losing all this soil is going to cost a lot of people their lives because we won't be able to feed the world at this rate of soil loss. What, what do you think will happen now that the story is getting attention and seemingly had there been cover crops and no-till, these people, these six people, seven people didn't die and three didn't end up in the hospital. What will, what will be the reaction legislatively or, or lost legal you know, litigation? What, what do you think is going to happen? You know, for decades, we've had other environmental disasters and I would assume that just as in others, nothing will happen. Nothing will change. It, uh, change is difficult and uh, farmers are hard to change. And, you know, they're going to say, and I imagine maybe the Farm Bureau will defend them. It's not, it's not their fault. But I, as a conservationist and terrified about the loss of soil and the degradation of our country's natural resources, this is a bad sign 
And it's not like we all haven't been seeing it for your entire lifetime. People like Frank Lesseteer and No-Till Magazine have made an impact, but it's certainly not fast enough. The rate of loss is still far higher than the rate of gain we're making. We've got the answer. There's no debate in that. We've got the answer to Gulf hypoxia and climate change and feeding people and all of nutrient loss. We've got the answer now. Being able to communicate that the way uh, Dave could, the way no-till farmer, that's one of the keys, education and communication. But is it happening fast enough? It's not. So we all, like Dave Brandt, Anytime we get asked to go speak, anytime we ask for somebody to come look at your equipment and see how you're seeding copper crops with a combine, I always say we never say no because we feel this responsibility to get to as many people and have as much impact as we can. Do you think that this, this tragedy that, that took place in Hawaii will it, will it wake some people up? Or yes. Have seen this mm -hmm. before? And, no, I think it will wake some people up. Legislatively, I doubt that there will be any legislation that will do something like a Band-Aid. Maybe let's put some logs up along the road like they do out west to keep the drifts from going out. Can you imagine we're going to put up logs to keep the soil from drifting and blowing across uh, the highway? Uh, but certainly that others may think about this and say, you know, we can't let our farm blow away. So I'm hoping some good will come out of it, but will there be a big change? You know, it's like so many, I doubt it, but I hope it does. I hope it does. I'm doing 100% of everything I can, and it's not good enough. I'm always searching for a way to do a better job at it, you know? So, you know, it's a long learning curve, and some people don't want to go down that highway of having to understand how to change the management of their land to better take care of it. Will you pursue office again, do you think? No. no. Um, I certainly want to make a change. But before, when I'd tried to seek appointments in the USDA and so forth, uh, I'd been told several times, don't do it. You're having more of an impact with what you're doing privately what you're doing out here across the country is having more impact than you will being in Washington, D.C. And so I think having lost running for Congress and being able to come back to the farm and having different opportunities come at me where it makes a big impact and I can make a big impact. You know, I'm like, yeah, I think they're right. I think I can make more of a difference being Ray McCormick back here on the farm you know, we got a farm bill and it's tremendously important. We have world issues and I'd like to have been a part of that, but would I have made as much difference? A lot of people don't think so. So very happy to be back on the farm and enjoying it, like many farmers, enjoying it more than I ever have. Yeah. I love farming. You are making an impact. We're glad to have you back. It was great seeing you in St. Louis and, and uh, you wouldn't be a damn fine politician <laughs> yeah we're, you are you're in a place where you're going to impact an awful lot of far, real farmers too i was very touched to have went to the national association of soil and water conservation Di districts annual 
a convention because I had left. I was very upset and had left the association and so forth. And when you leave, you leave behind those Dave Brants and really the state leaders in those states for these conservation movements. And boy, I missed them. And I was able to go to New Orleans this past winter and there's many of them there. So it's hugs, you know, haven't seen him for six or seven years and to be able to look them in the eye and say, you know, I miss you so much. And I, cause these are national leaders or state leaders in conservation. And so that was an extremely rewarding experience. A, a young man that, that came to my farm and, and, and never had farmed and was at the local university. I took him onto the farm and kept him there and actually had him stay there when he's doing his graduate work and so forth. He was the outgoing president of the National Association, Michael Crowder. So, you know, it was a very warm uh, experience going to the National Association of Conservation Districts and being able to see conservationists from all over the country that I didn't go outside the hotel. For me, the best vacation in the world is to go to a national no-till conference, go to a national association, go to a TNC, and to be surrounded by conservationists. You can't, sunshine on a beach doesn't compare to being the sunshine and innovation and the dedication of so many of these people across the country that are feel like I do and feel like Dave does. We got to we got to sacrifice. We got to go. We got to give it everything we got, even if that means leaving the farm behind for a week, because it's that important. That's inspiring, what you just said. I hope so. It's true. Not making it up. That's that's why they do it. They don't. You don't ever talk about that. That. You know, their kids are at home, their farms at home, and then they go again and again and again. And here it is seven years later, and they're all still there. Seven more years of doing that, traveling and organizing meetings and resolutions and all the stuff they do to try to push conservation forward. And they've made a lot of progress. When I was there, I was pretty discouraged with a lot of the pushback on conservation from people out west, whether it was WOTUS or whether it was the Endangered Species Act. I'm kind of a purist, you know, on those things. And I didn't like fighting with conservationists of whether we should do those things. There's no doubt in my mind. Being with the Nature Conservancy, I'm surrounded by that. And they're mighty powerful and make a big difference. So I, I settled back with the Nature Conservancy and on their board and had a conference call today on working a zoom meeting on working with native americans Great. Mm -hmm. i had dinner with a good friend of yours from tnc uh when i was i am on the strategic planning of ctic yeah mm -hmm. kind of recruited me and larry uh, clemens larry clemens yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 in fact he had your recommendation helped support the conference so he uh he was on the call today oh. and we talk you know we're very much alike and uh, we bring conservationists down to our farm for a yearly duck hunt of trustees that want to go and so forth. We had the governor's wife down this year to hunt with us and so forth. And so we've got, not because of me, but we got the biggest uh, 
increase in conservation money in the history of the state. Thanks to Ray McCormick and Mike Lesseter for today's conversation. A full transcript and video of this episode are available at notillfarmer.com slash podcasts. Many thanks to the Andersons for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Faulkner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>